Alright, so hi guys. Um, good evening, not good night. <laughs> um, how's everyone doing? Good? Good? Okay. So I hope everyone knows me by now. Um, you've either seen me up here giving announcements, no, have I? Given, giving announcements or um, doing a prayer or collecting money in that little corner for the retreat. <laughs> you see me in whatever capacity, but my name is Gone again, um, and I'm one of the crew members here at Emmaus Yonsei Ihua. And I am very, very honored and excited to be delivering the word of God today <laughs> to you guys. It's my first time preaching, so. All right. Now, before I begin, actually, I wanted to ask you guys a question. I wanted to ask everyone a question. Um, and I hope some of you will actually answer. Now, the question is, what are your fears? <laughs> what are you scared of? Hopefully someone, <laughs> spiders, someone said spiders. Mosquitoes, snakes, the dark, <laughs> dots. That's, that's a real, that's a real thing. I don't like circles. Being alone, okay, that's a real fear, <laughs> okay? All right, so those are legitimate fears, right? And I can't say that we all share um, the same fear, right? Uh, but we do know the experience of fear. Everyone has the experience of fear. So let me tell you some of mine, okay? Um, when I was younger, I was afraid of getting caught doing something bad and getting scolded, obviously. Um, I also was, and still am, very afraid of dogs. <laughs> uh, I'm really scared of dogs. I'm also scared of clowns, uh, so I'm kind of glad that I'm not in America right now. <laughs> um, and I was also very, very deathly scared of public speaking. Like, I, I took a, in high school, I took a leadership class, and part of the class, we had to give a speech. Um, the class was like 20 students or something like that, but I don't even remember what the speech was, but I got up there and I started speaking, but my face was red the entire time. I was sweating and I was like shaking. <laughs> my voice was shaking, my body was shaking, and everyone in the room, they were worried that I might like pass out. <laughs> but by the grace of God, I've gotten over that fear to some degree, <laughs> and here I am preaching to you. <laughs> um... And then when I was in college, some, one of the fears that I had was uh, fear of missing out. <laughs> you guys know what FOMO is, right? Fear of missing out was so real for me. Um, and to be honest, like, that's, that's the reason I didn't study abroad in college. And like, that's one of my biggest regrets now. And like, I tell all college students, hey, like, you guys should study abroad. But I'm not going to say that to you guys because more than like majority of you guys are <laughs> here abroad. Um, and something, another thing that I was scared of towards the end of my college career was uh, future. I was scared for my future. I was like, what's going to happen to me after college? Um, I had a really good college career. I met some of my closest friends in college. Um, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I kind of started figuring out, oh, like, what are some things that I'm interested in? What are some of my passions? Um, and a lot of my growth spiritually also happened when I was in college, right? So for me, as I was getting closer to graduation, I was like, 
what more could there be? Like, I've had such a good run. Like, what more could there be? So I was very scared. I was very scared that, like, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't know where I'm going. Um, I would be somewhere, like, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere where I don't have friends, right? Finding a new community, that was also very scary for me because I had such a tight-knit group of friends graduating from college. Um, so those were some fears. Now, these are, like, kind of lighthearted examples, right, somewhat. And, uh, but there are some more fe serious fears, like fear of man, right? Fear of rejection, fear of being alone, <laughs> fear of death. I think that's also a big fear. And um, like fear of intimacy, that's another fear that is somewhat serious. Now, so tonight, um, I obviously want to share with you guys um, about fear. And a particular fear that God has recently been exposing and how he's been walking me through the process and um, what he's been teaching me about fear. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Then let's open up our Bibles to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Where you can open your apps. Um, I'll read it in the ESV. Isaiah 41. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Okay. Um, before we get into the text, or before we study the text, let me, guy, let me give you guys a little context. So Isaiah was a prophet. Um, he's, he was an Israelite prophet. And in earlier chapters of this book, uh, there are a lot of warnings that God presents to the Israelites because they're craving worldly security. Right. And if you've been coming out to New Philly, we've been doing our scripture reading on uh, some of the Isaiah chapters, and they're very 
dark. <laughs> they're very like scary because they're warnings. Um, but by this point in Isaiah 41, the Israelites are in exile and they're in Babylonian captivity. And this is one of the chapters in which God is addressing and consoling his people in exile. Okay. Now, um, as I mentioned before, I want to address fear tonight. And um, for me, so I, in college, I studied psychology and philosophy. So I'm a thinker. I like to think. And whenever there's a discussion, I always like to start with the definition. Because like, when I asked you guys earlier, like, what are your fears? What are you most scared of? All of you guys have an idea. All of you guys have experience of fear. But if I were to ask everyone, hey, what does fear mean, right? I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get one same answer from everyone, right? Fear is going to look different. So I've done the liberty of Googling the definition of fear. So here's what Google says. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Okay, and I think that's a pretty solid definition. Now, having established what fear is, let me ask you another question. Right? Do you think all fears are bad? Are all fears bad? <laughs> no, right? I would say not. I would say, actually, fear can actually be good. Um, so let's say someone not me, someone has a fear of heights, right? Um, why do you think he is afraid of heights? And by that, I don't mean like, how did he come to acquire that fear? I mean, what purpose does that fear serve, right? Why does he fear it? What's the purpose, right? Did someone say something? Oh. <laughs> no, 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 you're not supposed to, uh, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> I'm just asking a lot of questions tonight. Um, so it's because it threatens his life, right? If you were, imagine you're walking on a tightrope and there are no like safety nets under you, right? And if you fall, you'll surely die. <laughs> that's scary, right? And personally, like that's why I would never place myself in that situation. Um, but like I'm, I'm scared of that and that fear serves me right? It serves a purpose. It tells me what I'm supposed to avoid, right? It tells me what I'm supposed to protect myself from. Um, so it's to protect yourself and fears ba basically can help you identify legitimate threats to your life and it can help you protect yourself. Now, do you guys also know that your body is designed to sustain life, right? Since I've, since you've come in, Actually, no, since you've been born, right? You guys have been breathing without really thinking, right? You guys have been breathing without thinking, and that's amazing. Your body is designed to sustain life, sustain your life, so that you don't die, right? And, like, you don't even have to think about it. Your body does it on its own. And I think fear can be one of those mechanisms, right? Fear can serve that purpose of protecting yourself and sustain life. Um, the problem is... There are bad fears, right? I, my question was, are all fears bad? No, but not all fear is good either, right? Um, so what are some of the bad fears? I would say fear that leads to anxiety, okay? When fear becomes something long, something that's prolonged, um, and it's lasting and it's drawn out, 
That's called anxiety. Anxiety is when you stop trusting God, when you stop believing that there is a God who is real, a God who is aware of who you are, a God who is loving to send his son to die for you, a God who is able to do anything in your life, a God who created the universe, a God who is for you and never against you, a God who calls you his beloved son or daughter, his friend and his lover. When fear becomes truer than what is real, these realities, these truths, right? It makes you worry. And then that worry leads to anxiety, right? But simply put, at the root of this bad fear and worry and anxiety, there's unbelief. When you put those fears to motion in your mind and you start worrying, you're suspending faith and you're you're, you stop believing in what is true. And another thing that anxiety can do is expose idolatry, idols in your heart, right? Because we worry about what we worship. Think about, think about like, for example, um, think about some of the things you worry about, right? Some of you might be worried about grades. I was, when I was in, when I was in school, I was very worried about my grades. Um, now that I've gotten past that, some of my worries include like money. Sometimes I worry about money. Um, but think about money. Why do you worry about money? Why do you worry about having enough? Why do you work yourself to death, right? Maybe money is your God. Maybe that's your idol. Why do you care so much about what other people think about you and making a good impression on them and not stepping on anyone's toes, right? Maybe your reputation is your God. Maybe your reputation is your idol. But at the end of the day, when you're anxious, you're worried because ultimately you don't believe who God says he is. But living in this deception, right, is not the life that God calls you to live. Okay. Now let's go back to the passage. There are actually two responses to fear that I want us to look at. Okay. So if you look at Isaiah 41, verse 1. It says, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. That's what God says, right? God says through Isaiah. Who do you think the coastlands refer to? Okay. Um, the Hebrew word that's used to translate coastlands can actually mean island or isles, but it can also mean territory or region, right? So the idea here is that the coastlands is indicating um, distant lands or simply all nations, so God tells all nations to listen, to be silent, be renewed in strength, approach, see, speak, and draw near together. And then for what? For judgment. Right? And then in verses 2 to 3, God recounts the things he did in human history. And he says, it is who, he who has done all of that. And then verse 5, we see coastlands again. Right? If you look at verse 5, it says, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. So that's their response. Their response is fear. They, they're confronted with this God of all authority and power, and their response is fear. And rightfully so. I think it is scary when you come face to face with a God, uh, with this God, right? With our God. The proper response is fear, but then what do you do with the fear, right? What did the, co what did this, what did the coastlands or all nations, what did they do with the fear? Um, it says they helped, e they helped each other, and they said to his brother, be strong. The craftsmen, the goldsmith, they were making the, for themselves gods, idols of gold. Okay. Their fear 
right? Their fear of after encountering God, after being confronted with God, was to run away from God, to turn away from God to their own idols. They even made idols, right? And this is a typical picture of what fear can do. Like I said, fear can lead you to worry and anxiety, and at the root of it, there's unbelief in the truth. And here, it's exposing idols, right? This is what we see in the coastlands. To appease their fear of this almighty God, they set up their they set up gods of their own and ran to them for safety when really this God of almighty power is the one who can provide what they're looking for. Right? Now, that's the first response to fear, the coastlands response. What about the Israelites? Right? How did they respond? The passage doesn't actually tell us how they responded, but I think I think after looking at what the coastlands did, what the what all nations did, I think this is why God tells the Israelites to not fear, precisely because of that, right? What do you think the Israelites' fears were when God was telling them to not fear? Probably they feared for their life. They were in exile. They were in captivity. They were probably thinking, "When it, will I ever be free? Will I ever be out of here? Scared about thinking when their captivity would end, if they would even see it end. Right? These are real fears, and I think these fears can easily lead them to anxiety. God said, I will, I will be with you. Right, and throughout Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, you see the Israelites repeatedly sin against God. But what does God what does God do repeatedly? Right, He repeatedly saves them. Right, and this is that is true. That's the truth. But their fear of captivity, their fear of staying in exile, I think that can easily lead to anxiety, and that's why God is saying, "Fear not." Right. Um. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I can actually relate to the Israelites in this sense, right? I know God loves me, and I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He'd known me before he formed me in the womb. Before I was born, he set me apart. I'm the apple of his eye. He sent his son to die for me. Um, he's a creator and ruler of the universe, yet he's crazy about me. One person, me. Now, these are facts, and I know them to be true. Right? And I, I do believe that head knowledge, right, knowledge inside of your head, is a prerequisite for faith and belief. I do believe that. Um, but the knowledge being there doesn't always mean that faith and belief are there. Right? Now, most of you guys don't know my story, so I'll tell you a little bit more about who I am. Um, I was actually born here in South Korea. Uh, I'm not going to tell you when because I don't want to tell you my age. Um, and right after starting third grade, my family moved to America. Um, when I first went, I couldn't speak English at all. Like I went to I went to a, a English academy in Korea, but that served me nothing. When I went to America, I was uh, I was frozen, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like these people look very different. I don't know what to say to them." Like all I could say was like, "Hi, hello. I'm fine. Thank you. And you?" <laughs> that was that was the extent of my English, right? Um, but um, I, I grew up like, so like for me, um, when I first went to America, I took English as second language ESL for just one year because, um, I was very like, I was very adamant about learning English to the point where like 
if I were talking, if I were talking in class, right, with a friend or with with people, and then like I made a mistake in my English, and like people laughed at me, I'd be like, I'm never gonna make that mistake again, never. And that's kind of how I learned English, right? Like I learned it by being so like, not gonna make mistakes. Like I'm gonna be perfect. Um, and that's that's like part of my personality. Um, but after having done that, like. Basically, I grew up very independent because uh, my parents weren't very fluent at English either. So there were a lot of times when, like, at a very young age, like ten, I was helping my parents with like family matters, like some legal stuff that I, I think a child shouldn't help with, right? <laughs> But like, I'd be asked to like, oh, like, can you help translate this? Like, we don't know what this means. Like, or can you do this for us, right? So since a very young age, I grew up very independent. Like in a way, there were times when my parents depended on me more、um, than I had depended on them. Obviously, they were providing me with like the financial resources and whatever. But、um, in terms of like these kinds of services, like when it came to English, that's when they were like they called upon my name, and I was like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs>、um, but that's how I grew up, right? I grew up very independent and. Another thing that I would like to note here is that I didn't grow up in a Christian family.、Um, I actually started attending church in middle school with my、uh, cousin's family because、um, there were things happening in my family. Like、uh, there was a there was a death of like a distant cousin,、um, and our we actually got robbed. Like our car was like stolen.、Um, so. Me being me in middle school was like oh like, and like I knew that my my um my aunt's family was going to church, and me in my like <laughs> as a child I I don't know why I thought this but I thought like maybe I should go to church maybe God is punishing me because I'm not going to church, right? And like if you think about it, it's really ridiculous, right? Like. My going to church, like there are plenty of people who go to church, but bad things happen to them. There are plenty of people who don't go to church, but good things happen to them. But like as a child, I don't know why I thought that, you know. And in a way, like I'm glad I did. I'm glad I thought that. And children just tend to be illogical, right? A lot of the fears that children have, like, like it's illogical. <laughs> it's weird.、Um, so I thought that I I felt like I could save my family by attending church. Right, and maybe like God was angry at my family, maybe that's why He's like punishing my family, and these things are happening. So I decided to go to church with my、um, aunt and uncle's family. But、um, to be honest, like, so I was attending church, and I was learning about who this God was. I was learning that He is a provider, He is the Savior, He is X Y Z. I was learning all of these things. And I was just like, oh, okay. But then, like, when it came to the part where, like, it talks about me having to depend on God, that was really hard. I was like, how? Like, what? <laughs> Why? Why can't I just do it by myself? <laughs> like, I want to just do it by myself. I I want to help myself if I can. Um, and like, if I were to be really, really honest, um, what kept me going to church was my friends. Like, I didn't go because I was like, oh, I love God. Um, I was like, oh, I really like my my friends here,、um, and they make me feel like connected. They make me feel belong, belonged. Because、um, like at school, 
<laughs> at school, like, I was different, you know? I was, like, one of the only Asian kids. So, like, I didn't feel like I could relate to anyone, like, at a level that, like, I could with other Korean Americans. Um, so that's why I went. But then when I started high school, I stopped going to church for a while. I started, stopped going for a few years uh, because there was drama at church. Um, there was drama not... I mean, kind of involving me, but it wasn't like that. It was, it was because of a girl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, that was part of it. And then another part was um, my uncle's family. Like, they got into pretty, like, adult drama. There was adult drama there, too. So, like, I just stopped going for a few years. And then my junior year, um, there were a few friends at my high school who went to this church and, like, they kept inviting me out, and I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll go. Um, so I went. And this was around the time when um, one of my friends, this friend that I first met in third grade, when I couldn't speak a lick of English, um, he couldn't speak Korean that well, but because he was Korean-American, he was asked to translate for me, right? <laughs> so, like, so he couldn't speak Korean fluently, I couldn't speak English fluently, but somehow we, like, communicated, right? <laughs> So he was basically basically the first friend I made. Um, and when I came back, and, and like after third grade, he moved away. And I didn't see him for a while. But we ended up going to high school together. And like we didn't really stay close because we didn't hang out with the same like friend group. Um, but I knew that he went to that church. And um, when I started going back out to that church, um, his dad was actually going through cancer. He was actually fighting cancer. Um, and like... As soon as that, that's like as soon as I went, you know, I even I actually knew that like he was battling cancer even before because my parents told me because um, they kind of like stayed friends even after. But um, when I went, like that was what was going on at church. And I remember at a Friday night service, it was a prayer meeting <clears throat> for the youth group. And the youth group pastor, he like challenged everyone to pray for my friend's dad as if he, he were your own. Right. And for me. That was easy, and I think there was grace for that. I think there was a grace for me to really think of him as a, as my dad and really pray for him, right? Um, because he was, like, one of the first adults that I met when I first went to um, America. And he actually even, like, remembered, like, the exact date I came to America. And I was like, what the? <laughs> like, and But then, like, that's the thing. Like, that's just who he was. He was very caring. He was actually an elder at our church. Um, so that's just the kind of man he was. And he was a really good father to my friend. Um, but because he was going through that cancer and we were challenged to pray, I took up on that challenge, right? So for a whole month, our church did like, a, our church did a morning prayer for the whole month, right? Uh, just to pray for healing over him and for other people in our congregation who are suffering. So every morning, before, during the weekday, right? Uh, every morning, I would wake up at like five. I would get ready, and then I would go to church, and I would pray for like thirty, anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour. And then my friend and I would go get breakfast, and we would go to school together, right? I did that for a whole month, and I was like, dang, like, <laughs> I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to morning prayer, but that's it's been a while but like i did that for a whole month right and like as a church we really believed for his healing we really believed that like god would heal him but unfortunately um a month later he passed away um 
And when that happened, I didn't understand, right? Like I, I, I was like, wait, what? Like, what about what about everyone who thought you were gonna heal him, right? What about all the prayers that we've sewn into this? What about me? Like, I woke up at like 5 a.m. every morning for a month so that I could pray for this man. Like, I really thought of him as my father. If my dad were going through cancer, I would definitely do that. You know, I did that. And I was just like, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Like, why would you leave my friend and his family in this state? Right? Um, And the list just went on, like all these questions and thoughts. But then... We didn't really, like, so after it happened, like, no one really addressed it. It was just kind of, like, brushed under the rug. And, like, I had all these questions, but I was also, like, kind of scared to ask questions, right? I didn't know if if it was okay for me to ask these things, to have these emotions. And I didn't know know what to do with them, right? But at that point in my life, um, I knew that God was real. I knew that, like... That much I knew. I knew that he was real. I knew that he was a creator. And I knew that he sent his son to die for me. But this part about him being a good father, just, I don't know. I didn't know. Right? But I was like, okay, God, like, that's who you are. Like, I don't know if I believe that you're a good father. But, like, let's, let's just have a relationship. But, like, I'm going to keep you at an arm's length. Like, don't come close. <laughs> like, I'm not going to pour out my heart to you in prayer ever again. Um, I'm scared because I hoped, I, I prayed with hope, I prayed with faith, but look look where that got me. And I wasn't going to do that again, right? So I kind of like built this wall um, against God. And I, I was like, you know what? Like, God, you're real, but like, just just stay there. <laughs> like, you don't need to come close. <laughs> it's like just a very polite distance, right? Um, so that... That was a very personal thing for me. And in a way, I was kind of like, oh, like, I, I think I was just, like, really caught up by the idea that, like, I really prayed for him as my dad. I really thought of him as my dad. And, like, actually, even before, like, like a week before he, his passing, um, I was with my friend. Um, and we were just, because, like, he was home all the time, right? So, like, we were like, oh, like, let's, let's hang out together. Right. So a bunch of us, like we, we were hanging out and then he got a phone call and he, and, um, they were saying like, it was, he could, he could be passing away anytime. So like, we like rushed to their house, um, to be with him if it were his last moment. But thankfully, like it, they ended up having more time with him, like another week. But I went there and like the man that I saw was like, not someone I recognized. Like I was like, wow, like this like, I, I've been praying for him, having this image of a healthy person, but, like, the person that was in front of me was very different. Um, and I was shocked. I was like, wow. And for me, like, that made me pray for him even harder. I was like, God, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for this man. I'm going to pray for him as my dad. Like, if my dad were suffering like this, no way I wouldn't pray, right? So, because that happened, it kind of fueled my sense of independence even more even more than i was before like i was pretty independent but i was even more independent and it also drove me to fear of intimacy with god because i was scared to trust him and i was scared to be disappointed again 
um, I couldn't walk away from him completely. So that's why I was like, okay, like you can come close to me. We can be close. We can walk together, but at this distance, like you can't touch me. <laughs> like, just stay there. Uh, we'll walk together, but just stay there. So this unbelief that he was my good father, right, led to my fear of intimacy to protect myself from disappointment. And it led me to a place of very um, anxious independence. Um, and this fear of intimacy with God also manifested itself in fear of intimacy with people. <laughs> um, I couldn't trust the perfect God. So how could I trust imperfect people, right? How is that possible? Um, and it's not to say I didn't or don't have good friends, right? I have great friends, but I also kept them at an arm's length. Um, and you know what's like really, you know what intimacy is, right? Intimacy isn't just saying like, I want to know you. It's also saying, I want to be known by you. And that's the scariest part for me. Like to have someone really know me, that's scary, <laughs> To have someone know me as well as my family, because let's be real, like your family has seen the ugliest sides of you, right? Your family has seen like everything, the ugliest sides, the most awkward stages, um, the weirdest things that you do at home, right? They've seen it all and they all love you. Your family members love you because they kind of have to, right? <laughs> but when it comes to relationships with other people, your friends, right? They have a choice. They have a choice after seeing who you are, after seeing those things, they have a choice to say, do I love this person? Am I going to choose to love this person? They have that choice. And the, the fear of getting rejected is, is there, right? Um, funny example. It, it's so like, just to, just to prove that like, it's something that I'm still dealing with. Um, a couple days ago, I ran into a friend um, on my way home, right? Uh, and he needed to get medicine because he was sick, uh, but all the pharmacies were closed by, at that time. But I had some like Theraflu and NyQuil at home. So I was like, oh, like you should come by and like, I'll, give, I'll give some to you. So we were like walking together. And then as we were walking, I was like, oh crap, like I didn't clean my room. <laughs> and then I was, so in the end, like, I didn't let him in my room. <laughs> I didn't let him see my room, but like that also shows you, you know, like sometimes like I'm, sometimes I can be dirty, right? Sometimes I can be dirty, like just, just really, I can be dirty. Um, but I don't like, I don't like showing people that, you know, I don't like showing people that like my room is a mess. Like sometimes if, if the room is like, you can barely walk on things, like I don't want to show people that. <laughs> Right? Like, people are probably going to judge me if it looks like... It never looks like that, by the way. Um, but if it did, like, people would judge me. Right? Um, and I just... I'm just not very comfortable with the idea that, like, someone can know me as well as my family and still love me and still choose to love me. That's a scary thought. That's what intimacy is. Right? And, I mean, you'll... you'll yeah, you'll experience it one day in a marriage because you can't run away from it. Uh, but for now, I'm a single man, and I'm okay with these kinds of boundaries. <laughs> um, now, that's what intimacy is, right? That's very scary to be known by someone. Like, even, even in our prayers, like when we say, like, God, I want to know you, right? Part of it is because, like, we know that God knows who we are, right? Sometimes I'm like, God, you know who I am. Like, you know my thoughts. You know my heart. I don't need to explain that to you. I don't need to communicate it to you. But um, 
But do you ever say like, God, I want to be known by you, even these like crevices of my heart. God, search my heart. Because I think sometimes for me, like I'm scared to say that because he'll see all kinds of ugly in there, right? But yet, like, that's not what the truth is. Truth is God knows it, God sees it, and God loves me still, you know? God loves me despite that. Some Sometimes God might love me even because of that. Um, but that's why I was not real with God. Um, I was not real with my friends either, right? I kept them at an arm's length, and I was like, I don't know if I'm okay with being completely known by someone. Um, I didn't know, like, even, even amongst, like, my Christian circles of friends, I didn't know if, I, if it was okay for me to be angry at God, if it was okay for me to, like, question these things. I didn't know, and, like, so I just didn't say anything to anyone, and I didn't even bring it before God. Like, I, in my prayer time, it was just like, oh, like, God, these are, like, the things on my prayer list. Like, these are the things that I need to pray for. But, like, I'm not going to be real with you in terms of how I feel, right? And that's how I kept my distance. Um, so, like, I didn't fully trust God, right? And that's, that was the truth. That was what was happening in my life. But I couldn't admit that to, like, my Christian friends, my Christian leaders. I was also a leader at the time, right? So I couldn't talk about it with them because i was like what would they think what what they would be like they might be like oh like snap out of it they might be like that's a lie that's not true um they might think that my faith is weak they might tell me that i'm wrong right just tell me that i shouldn't feel that way but the thing is um in a way my state of anxiety that kind of like fear and anxiety constant like constantly worrying about like what other people might think. Like, honestly, that sometimes was more comfortable than, like, me having to be honest, right? Like, the fear itself was a source of comfort for me. The fear of, the the anxiety itself was a source of comfort. Um, Because what's the alternative? Me risk, like, being vulnerable. Me risk being honest when I don't even know what's going to happen, right? When there could be rejection, um, but the, obviously this wasn't the only thing I wanted to hide from people, right? Or hide from God. Like there are plenty of skeletons in my closet. There's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, hurt, things that, things that I, um, don't want people to see, right? Um, again, my family members have seen this, right? Either because like they were the source, <laughs> they were the source of these closets or like, because I did something to them, right? Um, but my friends didn't have to see these things. My family, they ended up seeing it. They still love me. But my friends, I wasn't sure. I was like, can I, like, can they really know who I am and, like, what I've done? And, like, can they still love me? Um, I wasn't sure. Um, so I would let people in my life, but I also kept them at an arm's length. And it got to a point, like, like I said, I was very comfortable. I was very comfortable in my anxiety. I didn't want to risk anything. Um, but don't get me wrong, like, I'm a very relational person, right? Um, I enjoy meaningful relationships, I enjoy meaningful connections, but it didn't seem worth the risk at the time. Um, am I wanting it? Like, I really wanted it, but at the same time, like, I was scared. So, like, I was living in this kind of, like, tension, and that only contributed to my anxiety, right? But obviously, that's not a place that God wanted me to be in. 
And if that's you, that's not a place that he wants you to be in. So what did he do? God placed a community of people who love him, who are crazy about him, and who love his people um, to really confront my fears. And in that place, God reminded me of the truth. And part of that truth uh, is found in tonight's passage. So look at Isaiah 41.10, and this is where I want to spend a lot of time in. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay. Now, God does two things in this verse. He commands us and he promises us. Right? What are his commands? He says, fear not. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. And he also says, be not dismayed. Don't be stressed. Don't be distressed. That's what he's saying. Now, he gives us reasons for that too. Right? He says, fear not. Why? For I am with you. That's his first promise. For I am with you. I am with you. And then he says, be not dismayed. Why? I am your God. And then there are three more promises after that. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, if you look at the rest of the passage, um, the passage that comes after, so like verses 11 to 13, it just, it's another promise. But if you look at the previous passages, it actually gives support for his promises. Right. Remember verse 1 when God addresses the coastlands or all nations and invites them into his courtroom. Right? Here we see God as a judge with a righteous right hand. He judges all nations. And in verses 2 to 4, he asks questions about history, human history. Basically, he's saying, who is controlling the course of human events? Right? And then he answers it himself. <laughs> Look at verse 4. He says, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. He's the author of human history. Right? He began the story. He's going to end the story. And he's also going to keep the story together. And if you skip down to verse 8, right? God is directly addressing the Israelites now. And he says, you, Israel, are my servant, revealing God himself as the master to whom the servant belongs. And not only that, it says, Jacob, whom I have chosen. God has chosen Jacob. Jacob is another name for Israel, or Jacob was his name, and he earned the name Israel later. Um, so Israelites are also descendants of Abraham, he, whom he mentions, who is God's friend. Right. So in the end, God is saying, I've chosen you. You're special to me. The Israelites didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to be chosen. God just chose them. Right? He's the initiator. So God, the righteous judge, the author of human history, and the initiator of this special relationship we enjoy with him, this is the God who says, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Put another way, he is with me. He is my God. He will strengthen me. He will help me. He will uphold me with, my, with his righteous right hand. And in view of the rest of the Bible, we know how these promises are fulfilled, right? God sent his son to be with me, to be my God, to strengthen me, to help me, and to uphold me with his righteous right hand. Now, so my healing and process regarding my fear of intimacy isn't over. It's something that I'm kind of like still dealing with. Um, I actually went through healing and deliverance 
for part of this uh, a couple years ago, and then it's been um, resurfacing. Like I, I've had like victories, and like I've had places where I felt like I could have done better. Um, but it was it was always like three steps forward, two steps back. But I'm still going somewhere. Right? I'm moving. I'm moving towards somewhere. So, like when there are conflicts in my friendships, I'm very tempted to ignore it or walk away. Um, when the healthy thing to do is to be transparent, to let them know um, how I feel, and give them the choice of whether to love me. Right? That's a scary thing. Like to be like, hey, like you did this, and like because of that, I felt this way. But I'm gonna give you the choice to love me or not. Right? To not do that is to not really love them because I'm robbing them of that choice. Right? If I'm gonna hold on to that bitterness, if if a friend does something and I'm gonna hold on to it as a bitterness, that's only gonna breed more bitterness, right? And unforgiveness. So the healthier thing to do is to be like, hey, be transparent. Like if your friend doesn't respond in a way that's loving, then like that's on them, right? You did your part. But um, thankfully, like a lot of my, a lot of the people in my community are people who understand this, understand what it means to love you despite your flaws. Um, sometimes I'm being really petty, but they, they still say at the end of the day, they love me. Um, and I let them know, you know, thank you. And I give them the choice whether to love me or not. So when things happen with God too, I'm not quick to be completely honest to God. Uh, but over time, I'm always called. God is always like, gone. <laughs> let's sit down right there. Sit down. Let's talk. Um, and he wants me to tell him how I feel, what I think. And he invites me to a place where I'm like, okay, God, like this is how I feel. This is what I think. And I want you to speak into it. Um, but here's the thing. Um, when I felt so betrayed, angry, hurt, and ultimately scared because I wasn't sure he was a good father, he said he was. When I was hiding what I really felt and thought from people, and the one person who actually knows everything, um, one person from whom I can't hide, when I was withholding myself from him too and not able to give him my all, when I was so inward focused to listen to what he had to say, um, that me being scared to ask him questions, to demand answers, to tell him how I feel really hurt and betrayed, how I don't understand how I'm angry, that's the very person that he calls his beloved. That's the very person for whom he sent his son to die. Now, to that scared child, do you think Father God yells out of anger or scolds out of frustration? I think there's definitely time and place for that. Like, if I'm just being foolish, right? I, I do think, like, I need a good beating. Uh, but ultimately, I think God waits for them to come tell him what's up. To not just come to him saying, God, I want to know you, but saying, God, I want you to know me, even though you already do. This is what's on my heart. Will you speak into it? Now, do you know what he would say in response to that? I think he would say, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Think he's always inviting you, inviting us to acknowledge him for who he says he is, right? And that's actually going to birth another fear, <laughs> fear of the Lord. <laughs> when we know and we're confident of who he is, 
and when we know who we are in relation to him, that's living with the fear of the Lord, right? It's a sense of awe and wonder. We're captivated by who he is, right? We're not scared to go to him because we're scared of getting scolded, right? Because he's a threat. Because that's, that's not the case at all. Um, and what I would say is, you know, like practically speaking, like the risk, the risk of like you stepping out of your fear, the risk of you confronting your fear, that's nothing compared to the reward of intimacy, right? That's something that I'm learning right now. Um, that's something that I'm still processing and I'm still like practicing uh, walking out. So I'm actually going to invite the praise team up right now. And I want to just pray for people. Um, you know, when they, um, when I first got the email about preaching, um, when I got an invitation to preach, um, at first I was like, but God, me? <laughs> like, me? You're gonna, why would you do that? Um, I don't understand. And then I was praying about it. I was like, okay, God, like, if you really want me to do this, like, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, fear. And I was like, but God, that's something that I'm dealing with. Like, that's something that I'm not a master of. That's something that I haven't fully, like, dealt with. You're still teaching me through that right now. How can you tell me to preach on it? Um, but I think since, since he told me to preach about it, like, and since I've also been very intentional about walking out my fears and addressing my fears and confronting my fears in the context of a very loving community, in the context of very safe uh, friendships, I think I'm at a, I'm at a much better place when I, was fir- when I was first told that I, or asked to preach. And I just want to pray for people right now. Um, it doesn't have to be fear of intimacy, I think. If you guys are dealing with fears that you know are rooted in unbelief and you're actually afraid that it's going to lead you to worry, it's going to lead you to anxiety, I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you guys. So if the crew can come up right now and the family leaders.